Sustainable practices are gaining momentum. What's the future of battery technology? And Amazon's Prime Day is just around the corner. What does that mean for shippers? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCVTV. Five channels of streaming video are yours for the viewing on DCVTV. Major improvements have recently been made to the DCVTV platform to enhance the viewing experience, provide greater search capabilities, and to expand the capacity of the video library well beyond the 3,000 plus videos already in the archive. Be sure to check it all out at DCVTV.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin, what's the future of battery technology? To answer that, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Yes, uh, our guest today is Ron Dutt. Ron is CEO of Flux Power, which makes lithium-ion batteries for industrial applications. We asked Ron to join us today to talk about trends in industrial battery solutions. So welcome, Ron. Thanks, Victoria. So I wanted to start off by just saying that um, lithium ion battery technology has been used in material handling applications for years, but it really seems to have taken off in terms of more widespread use in the last couple of years in particular. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about why the conditions might be right at this point for that. Sure. Uh, you know, not only are the conditions right now, but there have been uh, developments going on for a number of years that make it right for this point. Uh, one is the a decrease in cost per kilowatt hour for lithium and reflecting the um, development of uh, the battery cells, uh, the, the increases in, in volume uh, in particular. Uh, you know, you can just look at Tesla and see the volume increasing and it is kind of a, vo a volume game. So the cost per kilowatt hour is getting, has gotten down to the point now where it's, it's, it's the economics are very attractive and that cost per kilowatt hour is going to continue uh, to, go, to go down. Uh, secondly, in terms of um, uh, the conditions being right at the time are there has been a lot of press and, and developments and excitement in the market over the EV sector and electrification uh, sector. And, and uh, this is all part of that. Um, it, it's, it's time has come as we see it. Uh, if you go to the trade shows, it's just uh, uh, overflowing with um, a focus uh, on, on lithium. And you know, the last point I would I, I think of when you ask that question is that um, there now are vendors like us or suppliers of, of lithium battery packs um, that are emerging uh, that uh, are meeting the demands of some of these large fleets. You know, we've gotten traction and and can provide a, a level of quality and service. Um, that that makes it uh, very realistic for all this to happen. Thank you. 
I, I wanted to ask too, um, has the pandemic affected this issue at all? For instance, you know, we hear a lot about the, the low maintenance associated with lithium ion batteries as an added benefit. Um, how, does that help at all in today's warehouse where we're trying to be more socially distanced? And are there other benefits that, uh, that, that help at this point? I think that's true. There, there are some benefits. Um, you know, I'd first say the pandemic is 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 uh, has had the impact of not really affecting the movement of logistics that much around the country. Food, groceries, everything still has to move. For example, uh, we've been going uh, full bore uh, uh, throughout this period. Um, at the same time, more to your point, the lithium. Uh, has several advantages that all lend itself to less uh, handling by people uh, in in the operation process. For example, lithium doesn't require any watering uh, like lead acid does, so there's there's less people involvement in doing that because that has to happen regularly, or the life of the battery doesn't last very long. Um, Secondly, I, I, I would think that, uh, another driving factor is lithium has uh, a longer life. The chemistry just allows a much longer life, so there's less change out, there's less involvement in, um, in, in that whole process from a people standpoint. Um, and, and finally, for these, these uh, large fleets that have multiple shifts, uh, We've demonstrated with some very large customers that they can use one lithium pack for the whole entire um, uh, day for all the all the shifts, and so that eliminates a lot of changing out of batteries each shift, um, let alone eliminating the need for a battery room. So you have you have some factors there that that certainly um, help uh, support. Um, Re, you know, reduction re, some of the force adverse forces from the pandemic. Thank you. Um, more generally, what are some of the newest advances in the technology? You know, for instance, you know, what can these batteries do today that maybe they couldn't just a few years ago? And you talked a bit about that at the outset, but anything else that's that's um, new in terms of advancing this technology? There, there's been a number of key things. One is just the uh, quality of cells coming out from most of the uh, lithium cells are are uh, manufactured in China. There's some in the U.S. and in Europe and other places. But uh, you know, over the last ten years, the quality of these large format cells. I, I'm not talking about the ones in your laptop or cell phone, but the large quality. Um, you know, has really improved with the increase in volume, increase attention, increase demand. Um, and, and that's really important because in anybody operating their forklifts in a facility, they do, they, they, they do not want any downtime. They hate downtime. So the quality of the cells uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a very important factor. Uh, another another dri driver is that um, uh, some of us in the industry have gotten UL listing certifications on our packs, and that's important because it, it makes sure you have a higher level of durability and safety uh, for the packs. And uh, for example, for us, that caused us to go off and make a few design changes and, and incorporate uh, some, uh, some aspects of the pack uh, that, that reached a higher level. 
um, which which uh, really benefits the customer. <clears throat> Uh, the last, the, the, the third thing and last thing I, I'd mentioned that comes to mind in your question is that our lithium packs actually have a brain on it and as opposed to, uh, you know, the current technology, firmware, software, um, you know, that, that directs uh, activity, communication with the forklift and also accommodates uh, telemetry and, and customized telemetry. So our pack can communicate to our um, platform in the cloud and direct information um, to both us and the customers, which really um, provides a, a paradigm shift in the ability to manage, particularly these large fleets. So um, um, yes, we're finding that um, a, a very uh, key improvement in the landscape. Thank you. I wanted to shift gears just a little bit and just note that you know, Flex Power was recently listed on the NASDAQ capital market. I wanted to ask, you know, what does that mean for the company in terms of growth and expansion? I know you had an earnings call earlier this week. If you could tell us a little bit about, about that. Sure. We, you know, we were very excited to accomplish that. It gave us over $12 million in a capital raise. And uh, um, being uplisted to NASDAQ gives us a whole uh, uh, a uh, quantum step in awareness in the market of, of who we are, um, uh, credibility. It allows, allows us, we're cur currently fi finalizing a much more cost-effective, better uh, working capital line to support, you know, our, our high double-digit uh, annual growth rates. Uh, and it also allows us to file for a shelf registration which provides access significant access to capital um, really for the again uh, to support this uh, growth trajectory uh, we're on and uh, uh, also support our reaching out to enhance our relationships uh, whether they're acquisition or partnerships in terms of uh, leveraging what we're doing to take advantage of this um, uh, significant increase in demand for, for, for lithium. Uh, and finally, you know, the other thing that comes to mind, it really gives us credibility with our large customers. Our target market is Fortune 500 companies um, and Fortune 150. And when any of those companies are making a selection of a supplier, to, to support them in their operation. They're scattered all over the country, in fact, even all over the world. Uh, they wanna look at, is, is this somebody who's gonna be around, who's gonna be there to support uh, service and warranty and, and future orders? So this all gives us kind of credibility that's uh, very, very important. Great, thank you. I just wanted to close things out by asking, you know, in general, how would you assess demand for material handling equipment and the, this really the strength of the overall market as we sit here nearing the end of 2020, you know, still in the middle of a pandemic and lots of uncertainty. How would you kind of assess where things are? Well, you know, last, um, last year we were looking at the third party uh, ITA uh, data and their forecasts and they were, they were um, outlining a, um, an outlook of 68% annual growth through 2024 in the material handling sector, uh, which is, which is uh, no surprise 
um, that's kind of meets everybody's uh, expectations. Um, the the pandemic has, uh, I think, affected that in some way. I've seen some recent forecasts that still continue to be uh, in that range. Uh, but we all know that there's been a dramatic increase of uh, shipments to our front door, um, Amazon and others. Uh, and that is requires more depots. Um, for those companies to to move stuff all around the country as opposed to just uh, retail outlets. Uh, so more depots means more more forklifts. Uh, so so that should help. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is, you know, that's for the industry. And then the lithium uh, we know is is uh, early stages of of um, of. Um, um, of uh, its its presence in this marketplace, but it is growing at high double-digit rates. So we see that as a, a bright side to the single-digit uh, growth rate in the industry. Thanks again for joining us uh, today, Ron, and sharing those uh, insights with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Victoria. Uh, glad to jump on this. Uh, Great, thank you. And thanks, Ron and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Ben, Amazon has twice postponed its popular Prime Day sale by several months, due, of course, to the COVID-19 pandemic, but they've now announced a date. What can you tell us? Hi, Dave. That's right. Uh, the annual Prime Day sale is usually held in July. Um, this year, in the midst of the pandemic, Amazon had bumped it originally until September and then delayed it again. Uh, but this week, uh, the company announced that it will happen on October 13th and 14th. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, Prime Day, it's a two-day sale, uh, and it's offered just to subscribers to the Amazon Prime program. Um, however, uh, that doesn't mean that it's an exclusive event because the number of Amazon uh, Prime households in the U.S. is estimated at 82 percent, uh, which is enormous. Uh, it doesn't mean that all of those people have Prime subscriptions, but at $150 per year, uh, people uh, in households often share them with the rest of the family. Uh, so that extends the uh, sale to a really large chunk of the U.S. Um, Amazon had originally scheduled Prime Day during the summertime in order to create sort of a second peak season uh, that occurred at a different time of year than the usual winter holiday peak that, that uh, we're all familiar with. Uh, and that would allow the company to get full utilization out of its huge fulfillment network instead of uh, building it uh, just to handle that big uh, winter uh, annual pulse between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Uh, however, this year, because of COVID, uh, Prime Day is happening just six days before Black Friday, uh, before, in other words, it will almost overlap with that same winter peak. Uh, so that could be putting a lot of strain on the country's parcel delivery systems and trucking capacity, uh, both of which are very tight right now. Well, how will that change affect shippers and retailers? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and as Ron had mentioned just now, um, logistics didn't stop during the pandemic. Um, as he'd mentioned, food, groceries, essentials, all those things still had to move. Uh, so shippers you know, have found ways to keep things working uh, so far. Uh, also, they've been building up a lot of inventory for the winter holiday peak, uh, although they've had to do it in a compressed schedule um, since a lot of regions are just now opening up. Uh, but we've seen, as Victoria has uh, done some coverage for us, that imports have been rising very fast at container ports, and uh, also warehouse space is getting rare. So it's looking like the major retailers uh, might be in a good position to handle the combined Prime Day and Winter Peak surges. 
however, it could be a different picture for small and medium retailers. Uh, many of those had to close down their brick and mortar stores uh, during pandemic closures uh, just because of the recession, uh, reduction in spending, social distancing rules. Um, but a company that's called Ping Pong Payments, and they provide payment services for cross-border e-commerce sellers, says that Prime Day this year uh, could act as a barometer of economic recovery and consumer spending for those. Uh, Ping Pong CEO said that Amazon's website has become the new virtual mall, uh, which offers a lifeline to retailers that are trying to grow their businesses without being able to have a physical presence. So this late Prime Day uh, could give those merchants a window of opportunity uh, to gain revenue through what would be their first major sales event online uh, after COVID. Thank you, Ben. It will be interesting to see the total volume of goods that will be moved during Prime Day this year and also how the other retailers react in the market. Thanks again. Victoria, you wrote this week about new research that's showing that environmental sustainability is gaining in importance among shippers. Can you share some details of that report? Sure, absolutely. So we've been seeing that businesses are increasingly focused on this issue of environmental sustainability. And, and I base that on anecdotal reports as well as various sort of green programs that companies across the supply chain have been announcing over the last few years, few years and, and really over the last year in particular. You know, we've seen um, fleets investing in alternative fuel vehicles, um, people making efforts to be more energy efficient in the warehouse, and also looking at things like earth-friendly packaging solutions. So it was really interesting to see this week um, a study that kind of put this all into perspective in terms of its growing importance uh, to the industry as a whole. It was a study by third-party logistics provider Coyote Logistics, um, and it specifically uh, looks at the shipping community, as, as you said, Dave. So they surveyed 250 uh, shippers from around the world in various industries, various company sizes, vertical markets, and seniority levels to really gauge um, buying habits, and the perception about this, uh, the evolution toward a more sustainable supply chain. And they found that 81% of shippers are, said they are more focused on sustainability today than they were just three years ago, and that their supply chains play a vital role in achieving their sustainability goals. One point that stood out in particular to me is that almost all of the survey respondents, I think it was something like 98%, said that they now have a team member or associate employee dedicated to sustainability. Um, they also made the point that meeting sustainability goals now requires prioritizing those goals and really collaborating not just across their own organizations, but across their supply networks as well. Did the study identify what may be causing this other than consumer demand, which is what is commonly understood as a key driver? Yeah, that's right. So consumer preference for environmentally friendly business practices has long been driving this trend. And, and that's certainly accelerated in recent years. And the study did point to that. But interestingly, it showed that companies are starting to see a return on their investment in sustainability programs. So shippers said that these programs are, are, are driving, uh, I'm sorry, are delivering um, in three key areas, and that's cost savings. 67% of those surveyed said they're seeing cost savings from their sustainability efforts. 60% um, said they're seeing benefits to their company reputation, and more than half said that their efforts are, are causing um, uh, the industry to view them as leaders in the issue, in, in this movement. So those are the top three things um, that they said they're getting in terms of benefits. So I think we'll certainly hear more about benefits and the ROI companies are experiencing um, as firms become even more focused on sustainability. Um, and that's, uh, like I said, an, an interesting development from my perspective. Well, it does certainly seem like a step in the right direction for all of us. 
Thank you, Victoria. Yeah. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Go there and check it all out. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thanks, Dave. It's always fun. Yes, you're welcome. And again, our thanks to Ron Dutt of Flux Power for being with us today. We encourage your feedback on this topic and our other stories. You could email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCV TV. Be sure to check out the latest videos on dcvtv.com, the largest and best source of videos for the supply chain industry, including DCV TV Channel 4. This viewer contributed channel includes hundreds of videos that DC Velocity readers and industry suppliers have uploaded directly to the channel. Stop by often to see the latest uploads. Go to dcvtv.com to view them. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and now on Apple Music, too, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we'll look at the growth of robotics and their impact on distribution operations. Be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week. <music>